Hey. Hey. Hey, somebody's talking to you. Hey, you've got a new friend. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's Nairby from CerealAndGrapeJuice.com. I am Nairby on Twitter. I am Nairby on Instagram. I am also Nairby at Borden High. Speaking of which, it's time for another episode of Borden Buddy, otherwise known as Degrassi Buddy. It's episode nine, and today we are continuing the the, the push through the see the the Grassy Junior High. We're starting as we begin season three today with the first three episodes of season three. Things are picking up. The characters are being developed. They've been developed. We're going to see a couple of new faces. Uh, we're going to see that a couple of characters are no longer here. We're going to see some dude introduced who doesn't seem to appear ever again, but it's like they introduced him as, as if he was going to be somebody, but well, we'll get to that. Anyway, but we're going to start with season three, episode one. Entitled Can't Live With Them Part 1. It was a two parter, air date November 7th, 1988. Now, parts 1 and 2 aired on the same night. I remember watching these two episodes live, and they were uh, quite live. You know what I mean. They were quite the episodes, man. These, this two parter is, uh, yeah, something. So, anyway, we start at Wheels' house where his parents are doing a puzzle together because that's what old people do. And when and Wheels arrives home late, and he tells his parents that he was at Joey's house, and his parents tell him that they don't want him seeing Joey or hanging around Joey anymore because of all the crap that he caused uh, last season, if you will, by taking the car and uh, all that crap. Wheels uh, is not happy about it, and he looks at his parents, and he says, Parents, so unfair. And he walks away. And that's when we get the intro, which has some new video clips inserted in it. As well as some old clips taken out to show that some characters that are no longer in the show, such as Stephanie. Stephanie's uh, no longer uh, a member of the Degrassi universe as of now. But still the same music, still a lot of the same clips in the intro, but a few new clips here and there. <sighs> the intro ends and we're at school. Nancy is handing out flyers as she's running for school president. We see the Zit Remedy arrive, and Wheels is wearing the classic Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> For those who don't know what the Canadian tuxedo is, it's what it is. Is it's it's all denim, blue jeans, the same color denim jacket, and yeah, that is the Canadian tuxedo. For those who may not have known, and he looked ridiculous in it. But what you gonna do? Wheels tells Joey that uh, his parents won't let him hang around with Joey anymore. And Joey says that that means they can't work on their demo. That's right. They're going to make a demo of their one and only ever song. Snake says, parents, you can't live with him. can't live without him. And Wheels replies and he says, I can sure live without mine. Joey is not happy about all this, this new situation. He reminds all of us that he failed last year. And he is repeating the 8th grade. And as he says that, we see this skinny little kid with a big blonde afro walk past. And he's got a yellow suitcase. Which has B-Bond written on or stickered onto it. But yeah. <laughs> Nancy tries to give this afro boy a flyer for her campaign. And he quickly runs up the stairs into the school. <laughs> afro boy. We're in the hallway. Arthur and Grick. Oh, I was gonna say Arthur and Grick. Arthur and Yick greet each other, 
and they are gr they're greeted by an even hotter Ms. Avery. Man, Ms. Avery just gets hotter. Sorry, not sorry. Just gets even more hotness as the seasons go on, for real. Arthur is excited about being in the 8th grade because it means that, not, that they're not going to get pushed around anymore, even though there's going to be ninth graders going there, too. Yick notices that Arthur's wearing a real leather jacket, and that leathers must be expensive. Arthur tells Yick that his mom got it for him, and Yick asks Arthur if his mom got a raise or something. And Arthur quickly changes the subject as Afro Boy approaches them, and asking where even hotter Ms. Avery's class is. He tells them he's in grade 7, and Yick and Arthur look at each other in a conniving just connivingly, and they introduce themselves as the welcoming committee, and Afro Boy introduces himself as Bartholomew Bond. Yeah, Bartholomew Bond. Arthur welcomes him and refers to him as Barty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lucy LD and the twins arrive, and Lucy is not happy about uh, still being at the grassy junior high, while LD and the twins are cool with it because it means they don't have to start over at the bottom again. Which makes sense, you know. I remember when I was in eighth grade, my when I went to junior high, it was John McRae, and it consisted of only grades seven and eight, whereas now, today, uh, I'm pretty sure, I think it goes from kindergarten to grade eight, but back in the day, it was just grades seven and eight. It was a big friggin' school, still is, but a lot has changed. And in eighth grade, I didn't feel like we owned the school or anything, but when I'm going into ninth grade into a new school, yeah, it was, yeah I didn't like it either. So I'm with LD and the twins here. Um... LD reminds Lucy that they'll be doing the occasional classes at Borden High, which is, and I'm going to assume still is, a real high school in Toronto. At least back in this time it was, Borden High School. The reason I say, like, maybe or maybe not, is because the first high school that I went to, Midland, is no longer a high school. It went from Midland Avenue Collegiate to Bond Academy and is now a school for adult education. So, yeah. And the interesting thing, too, because I, re I remember when I first watched this episode and they said they were going to Borden, I was surprised because back at this time, in 1988, there were, at least among in the school that I went to, there were three high schools. No, actually two. The one I chose go to go to was a piece of garbage. Midland, I hated it. But there were ultimately two high schools that none of the students wanted to end up going to because they were considered degenerate high schools based on rumors. One was Bendale, which I believe I have recently heard is being torn down or has been torn down. The other was Borden. So when the when they came back with the Grassy Junior High and said that the ninth graders were going to be going to Borden, I thought, wow, they're going to be going to that shithole school. But I was all based on rumors that I'd heard. So who knows if it's who knows? Maybe it was actually a good school. Anyway, Yick and Arthur show up with Barty, and they lock him in a janitor closet just like Joey did to them on their first day of grade seven. They high-five each other, and Yick says, All right, what a broomhead. <laughs> and as Barty, uh, after, while they're celebrating, Barty is uh, in the janitor, janitor closet using his god-awful acting skills, quietly yelling for help. <laughs> and as he's doing this, Yick remembers that the same thing happened to he and Arthur in the seventh grade, and they both quickly feel guilty about it. Arthur decides that they need to let Barty out, but Yick stops him real quickly and he says, We've got to do something. We've got to be tough this year. <laughs> Arthur thinks about it for a second and he suddenly has an idea. 
they open up the door and they let, they let Barty out. And they direct uh, Barty to a class down the hallway, which is actually Yick and Arthur's grade 8 class. Barty arrives into class with his hair and his briefcase. And that's when we see the sticker, that say, or the stickers that say B Bond on his big yellow friggin' briefcase. He sits down and he takes out and he reads a Superman comic. Kathleen and Melanie arrive for school. Kathleen says she's going to run for school student council president. Melanie says that Kathleen can have Melanie be the campaign manager, but Kathleen doesn't want the help. She says that she can do it on her own. Yick and Arthur show up for class, and Yick asks Arthur where they should sit. And Arthur replies that tough guys always sit at the back. <laughs> Arthur says that it feels weird not having Stephanie there this year, and he tells Yick that Stephanie was sent to a private school. And that is the story that how they wrote her off when, in actuality, the actress who played Stephanie K, Nicole Stoffman, actually left Degrassi to go star in a sitcom down in the States, which I think was actually filmed in Canada, but was broadcast on an American channel. And the sitcom was called Learning the Ropes, starring Lyle Alzado, who played a, who played a teacher who moonlighted as a professional wrestler. And I watched that show, but it didn't get past the first season, unfortunately. Ah, yeah. Yip replies that uh, sending Stephanie to private school must have cost a lot of money. And he asks Arthur why, why he's rich all of a sudden. And Arthur quickly snaps back that he's not rich. Joey arrives for his first day of repeating the 8th grade, and he isn't happy that he has to spend a whole year with these little narbos, as he referred to them as. <laughs> Scooter arrives for class. He sits down and he takes out a Superman comic, which is the same one that Barty's reading. They both look at each other, realize they're both reading the same comic, and they give each other a smile. So, well, may have another dynamic duo uh, growing there. All right. Joey arrives in the class, and he tells Arthur that he's in his seat. Arthur tries to tell him, hey, man, it's like a free country, but Joey, you know, gives him that, that tough guy look. <laughs> and Arthur gives in. And Arthur goes and sits in a seat uh, closer to the front of the room. And that's when Mr. Radish arrives. Radish sees Joey sitting in the back and he tells him that since this is his second time uh, going to the 8th grade, he, rec- he suggests that Joey sit closer. And he has Joey trade seats with Arthur. <laughs> so Arthur's back to the back, right on. And Joey's new seat is beside Caitlin, who's grown her hair out. And as Joey takes his seat, Caitlin is just looking at him. And give him, gives him this subtle look as if she's uh, digging on him, for maybe, perhaps. I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, students show up for their first grade 9 class, which is taught by a new teacher, Mr. Garcia, who Alexa remarks is so tall. Mr. Garcia reminds students that some of their classes will be conducted at Borden High School, which gets a loud applause. Garcia tells them that they will soon leave for Borden. And when they get there, they'll be broken up into groups and be shown around by Borden seniors. Meanwhile, in Radish's class, he's taking attendance. He calls for Mahmoud Sama, and a kid answers saying, Call me Max, sir. And he does the little thing with his finger like a gun thing. And as if to imply that Mac, a.k.a. Mahmoud Sama, is going to be a new character with some kind of character development. But... I mean, I haven't watched Degrassi in a while, but I don't recall Mac appearing anywhere 
ever again. So I don't know what the point of that was unless they had ideas for this kid and then decided not to. All right. Uh, Barty Barty tells Raditz that his name wasn't called and he realizes that he's in the wrong class as students laugh at Barty and Scooter sticks up for him telling him it's not his fault. Barty is then escorted out by Raditz and that's when we see Arthur and Yick high ten each other which gets Raditz's attention. Radish just returns and gives Yick and Arthur a subtle pat on the shoulder, which just totally reeked of, yeah, good one, guys. Nice, yeah, well done, idiots. Yeah, bullies. Tough guys. <laughs> the buses arrive to pick up the grade nines to take them to Borden Junior, or Borden Junior, Borden High. Lucy is excited about seeing new guys at Borden, and she says that she's 14 years old and hasn't had a date in 14 years. So she's 14, which I guess is correct. I mean, uh, when I started ninth grade, I was 13 going on 14, so yeah, there we go. The Degrassi Niners arrive at Borden, where we are introduced to Clutch and Paul, who make fun of Degrassi ninth graders. And we see a second group, which has Lucy and company, LD and the twins. And they walk past Clutch and Paul, and Lucy and Paul eye each other. Lucy's excited because he's got to be at least 16, she says. Clutch tells Paul to get his head, you know, basically get his head out of the clouds and that Lucy's a minor niner. <laughs> minor niner, I remember that term. <laughs> Classes end at Degrassi Junior High. Joey goes to his locker. Kalen walks by and they eye each other. So something might be brewing there, I don't know. Wheels and Snake are back from Borden and Joey asks them what they think of Caitlin. They tell Joey that she's not his type. Wheels tells Joey that he'll call him tonight after his parents go out. And the Zits celebrate as tonight they're going to record their demo of their one and only ever song. We cut to Joey's basement and Joey's house. Well, obviously it's his house, it's his basement. And the Zit Remini are recording their one and only song, Everybody Wants Something, on a state-of-the-art 80s-style recording device. I mean, you look at this thing now and you probably laugh at it, but back in 1988, this thing was a big deal. They finish the song and Joey wants to keep going, but Wheels says he has to go home before his parents get back. Joey and Snake urge urge Wheels to stay for another five minutes, and he does. Joey is excited about being famous by Christmas, and he presses play on the recording device. Wheels wonders why they're not hearing anything, and Joey realizes that he forgot to press record. Which is weird, because the little, the tape, the uh, thing was spinning when they were playing, so I guess he just pressed play instead of play and record. Back in the day, with those things, you had to press two buttons if you wanted to record. And I remember those things, dang. <laughs> well, not those things. I never had one of those specifically, but the old school radios and stuff. You wanted to record. You have to. You had to press record and play at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Progress, baby. Technology. The Wheels and Snake are not happy about this. Wheels grabs his guitar and tells them that he's that they can just try again tomorrow after school. Wheels gets home and his parents are there, and they want to talk to him. And they found out that he was at Joey and Joey's, and they reprimand him. The next day at school, Kathleen, Nancy, and Tim are handing out flyers for their campaigns. I don't think Tim is actually campaigning to be president, but he's handing out flyers anyway. Scooter and Barty arrive together, and they start getting to know each other. They introduce themselves to each other. So we have our newest uh, dynamic duo right there. Scooter and Bartholomew Bond, a.k.a. Barty. In class, Arthur's reading the business section of a newspaper when Yick arrives and wonders what's going on with Arthur. And Arthur just quietly tells Yick, on the condition that Yick promises not to tell anybody, 
that Arthur's mom won the lottery that summer. And it was for over a million dollars. So, yeah, there we go. Because I remember there was an episode in uh, season one, I believe, of Degrassi Junior High, where Yick thought uh, that uh, Yick and Rick, sorry, Yick and Arthur thought that Rick stole Yick's $20 after Rick suddenly showed up with licorice claiming that he won the lottery. And Arthur replied that nobody wins more than $100 in the lottery. And then meanwhile, this happens. His mom wins over a million. Love it. In the stairwell, Spike is showing off pictures of Emma at the hospital just after she was born. Shane walks in on them and asks to see the pictures, but Spike doesn't want to show them because he wasn't around all summer. Shane tells her that's because he was sent to camp by his parents, so what was he supposed to do? Shane asks Spike if if she read any of the letters that he sent, and she tells him that she didn't even open them. And she leaves. And as she leaves, we get our first glimpse of Tessa Campanelli, who, uh who uh, becomes pretty famous, particularly in the School's Out movie, for one particular uh, line. (laughs) We'll get to that eventually. A legendary line featuring the name of Tessa Campanelli. Wheels in the Zit Remedy, or Wheels tells the Zit Remedy that he can't record the demo that night, but Joey assures uh, Wheels that it's only going to take an hour. Wheels asks Joey if he promises that it'll only take an hour, and Joey says that he swears on his mother's grave. And Snake replies that his mother's not dead. Wheels agrees to maybe go, as his parents are going to a movie that night, and they want him to go, but he doesn't have to. We cut to Wheels' house, and Wheels' mom is getting ready to leave, and she asks Wheels if he's sure that he doesn't want to go to the movies with them. Wheels says no, and he pleads with his mom to just give Joey a chance. You know, Joey's nice, man. Joey's Joey, but his mom still refuses. And as they're about to, w- to leave, they ask the uh, mom and dad ask Wheels again if he's sure. Are you sure you don't want to come to the movie with us, Wheels? Are you sure? And Wheels says, no, he doesn't. So they leave the house. But before they leave, Wheels' mom stop, stops and she tells Wheels that all they really want is they want to do what's best for him and that they love him very much. Wheels smiles, his parents leave. Wheels runs upstairs and watches his parents leave in their car from a room. And when they do, Wheels calls Joey and tells him that he's on his way. We cut to Joey's basement, and the Zits are listening back to their recording of uh, Everybody Wants Something. They celebrate, and Wheels says that he's has to, he has to leave before his parents get back. Joey asks Wheels if he's glad that he came over, and Wheels says yes. Joey tells Wheels that you can't take parents too seriously. And then Joey and Snake compare their parental problems with each other. And as they just continue, all of them continue to just rag on all their own parents. Wheels and Snake end up leaving. Wheels and Snake are walking home together, but not to one person's particular home. They arrive. It's dark. They arrive at Wheels' house. And there's a police car parked outside. Wheels is quickly angry because he thinks that his parents called the cops on him. Returning home early from the movie and discovering that he wasn't there, so they called the cops. Wheels and Snake part ways as Wheels walks toward the cop car. And as he walks past the cop car, we see an old lady get out. And it's his grandmother. You want to come sleep over at my place? No, that'll make it worse. This is the last time I ever let Joey talk me into anything. Thanks. 
Derek. Derek. Grandma, what are you doing here? What's wrong? There's been an accident. An accident? Mother and father. Mom and dad, they're okay. There was this drunk driver. He was going too fast. He didn't see the red light. What are you saying? Oh, Derek. I'm sorry. Your mother and father, they're dead. No. Wow, that was just, I mean, even watching this for these recaps, watching this back all these years later, I, I mean, I've, I've gotten all wrapped up in these characters again watching all these episodes again, and I was feeling, just felt for wheels, man, just, damn. Just, but this incident with his uh, parents, granted they weren't, they weren't his blood parents, but they did, uh, they adopted him as a baby, they raised him. And uh, yeah, but this that incident is the starts the slow downward spiral of young Derek Wheeler, as we're gonna see as the character and the shows progress. As uh, Think Wheels, he's gonna have his ups, and he's sure as hell gonna have his downs. But anyway, that was Can't Live With Him Part One, which was very powerful. And then we move on to Part Two of Can't Live With Him, with as I which as I said aired. On the same night, November 7th, 1988. And we start with, basically it started with recapping everything that happened in part one. And then we get our intro. After the intro, Joey shows up at school listening to his demo, rocking out. He's loving it, listening to it on his Mockman. Snake arrives and he asks Joey if he heard about wheels. And how his parents called the cops on him. Because he went to do the demo tape. And Joey said he didn't hear about it. Class starts, Joey tries to uh, get Arthur's seat back, Radich walks in, tells Joey to get back to the uh, front seat, which Joey does, Radich shuts the door, and he announces to the class that a student at Degrassi lost their parents that weekend, or the previous night, or whatever, he bought it, he said that, he said that stuff, and he said that the student was Derek Wheeler, and that his parents were killed by a drunk driver. And the reaction on Joey's face is just awesome. Because at this point, as I said, well, at least for me anyway, I was really once again hooked on these characters. And I really started to feel for Wheels. And even Joey, because Pat Mastriani, I'm sure that's his name. His name is Pat. Pat, like, great actor, man. But yeah, you could just, he, he acted that bit out just excellently. Realizing that, damn, I had Joey, I had Wheels come to my house and then... Yeah, anyway, class ends. Joey Lee walks out of class and he's just in a total daze. We cut to the funeral where several kids and fac- faculty from the school are there. And it just pulls at the heartstrings, man. I was feeling it, man. I was feeling for wheels. Very well filmed, very well directed. 
hooked on these characters. Hell, I grew up with them for crying out loud. The twins are there, and they wonder why Wheels isn't crying. The service ends, and Joey turns as if, as if he's going to walk up and talk to Wheels. But he stops, and he turns back. And as everybody uh, leaves, Wheels grabs a flower from one of the bouquets. And he's now going to... Uh, well, we're going to find out what's going to happen to him. As we cut to Wheels' house. And in Wheels' house, his grandmother is looking at an old photo album. Pictures of her... Uh, I don't know if it was her daughter or her son who died, but it was one of them plus their, their significant other. You know what I mean? Wheels' grandmother tries to get Wheels to talk, but Wheels doesn't want to. But he realizes that his grandmother wants to. Oh, before this happens, though, there's a, the phone rings, and uh, Wheels' grandmother gets it, answers it, and she tells Wheels that it's Joey, but J- Wheels does not want to talk to anybody. And then Wheels, uh, his grandmother tries to get Wheels to talk, but Wheels doesn't want to, but he, re- he, he realizes that his grandmother wants to talk, and Wheels wants to know what's going to happen with him, or to him. And his grandmother tells him that he's going to live with, with her and uh, the granddad. But Wheels doesn't want to go there because he says it's all old people and it's so far from school. And he says he just wants to stay at his current house all by himself. But his grandmother says he can't because he's only 14. And she recommends talking to a social worker and Wheels refuses. Saying that he doesn't want to go to a foster home and he doesn't want any fake parents. Later that night Wheels is sleeping and he's having a dream. And in this dream he's asleep And suddenly he hears his parents calling out to him. He wakes up and he goes and he greets his parents in the hallway as they apparently just returned from the movie. And he tells his parents that he thought they were dead. And his mother replies that they are dead. They are dead. They are dead. And Wheels quickly wakes up in a sweat. Nah, man, man, man. (laughs) Oh, this show. We go back to school. Nancy and Kathleen are still giving out flyers for their campaigns. Meanwhile, Scooter, I was gonna say Scooty, <laughs> Scooter and Barty are debating about who's better between Superman and Spider-Man. Barty thinks that Superman is better, while Scooter thinks uh, Superman is boring. Barty says that Superman's got a girlfriend. Scooter replies that Spider-Man also has a girlfriend, and Scooter says that at least. Uh, no, Barty. Barty says that at least uh, Superman and Lois Lane don't do mushy stuff, while Spider-Man and Mary Jane do that all the time, and he says, yuck. <laughs> Scooter tells Barty not to argue with him because he's in grade 8, and Barty replies that it's only because he accelerated, which Scooter says means he's smarter. And Barty replies that that only proves that there are flaws in the educational system. <laughs> Oh, these two men, they're great. <laughs> Lucy arrives at school being driven by Paul and Clutch in Clutch's classic splatter-painted car. Anyone who knows this show knows Clutch's classic car with all the splattery paint. It's mostly blue with just multicolored paint splattered all over it. LD asks Lucy who the boy is, or was, after Lucy leaves him. And Lucy tells her that she was walking to school when the car just showed up from out of nowhere... And she tells LD that she and Paul are going to a movie Saturday night. and But that was when LD and Lucy were supposed to go to the movies. Lucy tells LD that she'll just blow Paul off. Oh, that didn't sound right. <laughs> and LD says, don't worry about it. They can just go to the movies next week. 
Wheels arrives at school and Joey wants to talk to him, but Wheels ignores him and tells him not to touch him. Joey apologizes to Wheels and offers him a copy of their demo, which Wheels takes and he throws to the ground and it breaks and he leaves. Joey casually says that he was just trying to help and Wheels says that he doesn't want his help. We go to class and Alexa announces to class that Wheels is back and they wonder what to say about him. What, what, you know, what are they going to say to him? And they all debate whether they should say anything at all or try to talk to him about it. LD thinks that they should try to talk to him because when her mom died, it really helped to have people to talk to. And BLT replies, come on, LD. I'm not going to walk up to the guy and say, how are your parents? <laughs> come on, dumbass. God. Oh, dudes, why are we so dumb sometimes? Will shows up while everybody's having this conversation and everybody suddenly falls silent when they see he's there. And it's just total awkwardness. Everybody then goes to their seats. Wheels and Snake sit next to each other. Snake is looking at Wheels. Wheels then looks at Snake. And then Snake quickly looks away. We go to lunchtime. Spike is happy to be back at school. Because remember, while she was pregnant with little Emma, she had to do homeschooling. But now that Emma's been born and is in the world, she's now allowed back at school. And she tells Liz that during the day, a friend watches Emma... And then at night, Spike watches her friend's kid, so they have a little give and take. Meanwhile, Shane is overhearing all of this. Elsewhere in the lunchroom, Arthur and Yick are getting lunch. As Arthur tells Yick about companies that he's investing in now. <laughs> and that's why he's been reading the business section, so he can look at stock quotes. Yick and Arthur sit, uh... Yick and Arthur, as they're looking for a spot to sit, they walk past this little red-headed girl who looks up at Arthur... Yick and Arthur sit down, and the little red-headed girl is sitting behind Arthur, and she turns and listens in on Arthur and Yick talking. She then taps Arthur on the shoulder and says hi to him. Arthur tells her to go away, and that he told her to never talk to her at school. The girl gets up and leaves. Yick asks Arthur who the girl was, and Arthur replies that it's his dumb cousin Dorothy. Otherwise known as Arthur slash Duncan Waff's real-life sister, Annabelle Waff. Now, before we continue, I have a, a interesting little thing regarding this. Well, not, not refer, to refer to her as it, as this, regarding Annabelle Waff. Back in 2014-15, when I was dumb and doing the online dating site shit. Trust me, if you're a dude, don't waste your time with that shit. But I was doing it anyway because I was stupid. I came across a profile which had this very stunning, fiery redhead with big eyes and her profile pictures had her in a kitchen and she was baking and she was smiling and she looked awesome. And I clicked yes on her. I think it, I'm pretty sure it was on a Plenty of Fish and I clicked yes on her. I even sent her a message telling her, you know, I like the pictures. What kind of stuff? Not, not the typical shit you hear a lot of uh, women complain about with dating sites. You know, I didn't send this red, this fiery redheaded. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. I didn't send her any dick pic or say anything not cool. I was just talking about, oh, cooking, and I like to cook too. And you, know, you can check out my profile and check out my Instagram. I have cooking stuff and blah, 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 blah. I never heard back from this woman. And I thought, oh, well, what, what do you, and that's just what usually happens on dating sites. Probably a few months later, while I was watching Degrassi and an episode featuring a uh, little Dorothy, <laughs> a.k.a. Annabelle, 
I was like, let me look up uh, this uh, this this Dorothy, the the woman who plays her, and see how she looks now. And boom, a bunch of pictures from that dating site profile, and that's when I realized, holy shit, that was friggin' the Dorothy from Degrassi. And I was thinking, damn, can you imagine if she replied and she said yes? I could have, I, I could have met Arthur and all that crap. So, and then I thought, you know what? It's probably best that she didn't reply because I probably, I most likely would have just been marking out the whole time about, holy crap, man, you were into Grassy, and I would have been asking her a bunch of Degrassi questions. But trust me, man, uh, little Dorothy, aka Annabelle Waff, went on to become quite the, quite the stunner. And uh, also, she actually has a website, AnnabelleWaff.com. She's uh, she is a George Brown Culinary College Culinary School of the Culinary Arts graduate. So go to her website, AnnabelleWaff.com. Drop her a line saying hey, and tell her that uh, Nerby sent her, and that uh, it's Nerby forgives her for not replying to his plenty of fist message some years ago. <laughs> but looking at her, how can you blame me for trying? At least, come on, man. Yeah, so anyway, still in the lunchroom, Kathleen sits with Melanie at lunch, and she tells Kathleen that her camp... No, sorry, Kathleen tells Melanie that her campaign isn't going too well. Melanie tells Kathleen that there's only two kids running for president, so even if she loses, Kathleen will still will be VP, but Kathleen wants to be P. <laughs> because Kathleen's a perfectionist, man. Elsewhere in the lunchroom, Wheels is eating by himself... As he's greeted by even hotter Ms. Avery. As Snake and Joey are watching from another seat. And they feel bad for Wheels. I can understand, but I mean, come on, man. He's being like even hotter Ms. Avery's there talking to him. So, I mean, yeah, his parents don't say anything stupid before you say something really dumb. <laughs> anyway, they feel, bad for, they feel bad for him. And Snake says that he has to force himself to look at Wheels. BLT shows up and asks Joey and Wheels if they want to play some, shoot some hoops. Snake takes offense to this because Wheels' parents have died. And BLT uh, should have some feelings. <laughs> Snake doesn't know what's wrong with himself and why he can't talk to Wheels since they're friends. He says, well, he's my friend. I don't know why I can't talk to him. Wheels quickly sees that these two are talking to each other and he, I'm sure he assumes they're talking about him. He quickly grabs his things and he leaves the lunchroom. After school, Arthur tells Yick that he wants to keep his wealth down on the down low. He doesn't want anybody to know because he's worried that he could be kidnapped and held for ransom. <laughs> Elsewhere, LD and Lucy are ready to walk home together when Paul and Clutch show up in Clutch's car with that friggin' classic uh, horn. Those who remember Clutch's car remember that crazy horn sound that it does. And they offer Lucy a ride home. LD's upset about this because they were she and Lucy were supposed to go to the mall, but Lucy just blows her off. That doesn't sound good either, but what you gonna do? Back in the hallway, Shane stops Spike and he gives her an envelope, which he says has half of his allowance and he wants to help her. Spike accepts. Shane tells Spike that uh, he'd give her more, but he needs money for bus fare and other things. And he's gonna get a part-time job so he can give her more money. Spike thanks him, and she's curious as to why she, that he's given her money, which is weird. Why do you think he's giving you money? He's it's child support. But I'm I'm guessing she's referring to the fact that you know, I mean he he overheard her talking about it. So, but come on, Spike, he's helping. Ah, 
Wheels goes to his locker and Joey's the, in the class near the lockers waiting for Wheels. Joey wants to talk but Wheels and Wheels wonders why Snake and nobody else want to talk to him and all they do is stare at him. Wheels then throws a fit and blames Joey for his parents dying. And Wheels says that he should have gone to the movies with them and he continues pushing Joey. Joey tells Wheels that if he went to the movies he'd be dead too and he doesn't want that. And Wheels replies that he does want that. And he gives Joey a shot to the stomach which freaking sends Joey to the ground. And Wheels just continues punching Joey's just punching on him as Joey's just cowering there. Wheels suddenly stops and he storms off. And as Joey's laying there all beaten up we see Caitlin who then asks out and asks if Joey's alright. We go to Wheels, who's at his parents' gravesite, when his grandmother shows up with some flowers. Wheels says that he just wants everything to be the same again. He, and he says that he sees them every night like they're real. His grandmother tells him that, she, he, that he's thinking all the same things that she is, and she thinks she's going crazy. Wheels tells her that he and his parents were kind of fighting that night, and his grandmother tells him that they didn't die because of that. And they both miss the, uh, missed them. And they comfort each other. The next day at school, it's election day. Joey shows up still in pain from the beating from Wheels. Wheels shows up and apologizes to Joey. Joey tells him that he can beat up on him anytime. Joey gives Wheels another copper copy of the demo tape and Wheels accepts it. Wheels starts to walk away. Turns around and he tells Joey that he's really scared. Joey replies, oh man. He walks up to Wheels. And they give each other a big hug as we get the freeze frame in the credits. And I'm telling you right now, when I watched this episode to, for these recaps, I was getting a little a little choked up and felt the tears building up in the eyes. But I toughed it out like a tough guy, like Arthur and Yick, and none flowed. But uh, yeah, powerful, man. Powerful episode, powerful ending, powerful characters. And uh, again, Annabelle Woff, don't worry about it. You're forgiven. <laughs> But seriously, man, she turned into quite the stunner. Check out her website, AnnabelleWaff.com. Tell her that I sent you. Yeah. And then we go to Season 3. Season... Well, we are... Yeah, Episode 3 of Season 3. Degrassi Junior High, entitled A Big Girl Now. Air date, November 14th, 1988. We start in class and Lucy's writing, Lucy loves Paul in her notebook. You know, in typical... Teenage girl style. Not that teenage girls only did this. I've seen. I, I remember back in the day. I saw friggin' young dudes do it too. It's what. It's what you do when you're young. You do stupid stuff. But anyway, she's writing Lucy loves Paul in her notebook instead of learning the fascinating world of angles, like obtuse angles and straight angles. Class ends and Lucy LD reminds Lucy about her soccer game the next day. Lucy assures LD that she'll be there. Lucy then asks Spike if she'll be there, and Spike says that she won't be there because she's got to pick up Emma. Spike walks away, and Lucy wonders what sex is like after they have after they talk with Spike. LD tells Lucy that she's only 14, and Lucy replies that 14 isn't so young, and she's a big girl now. LD doesn't want Lucy to get hurt, or get a reputation, or get pregnant, and Lucy tells LD that she was just curious and laughs it off, and that's when we get the intro. After the intro, the twins are outside on the steps of Degrassi and they're reading about sex in a magazine when LD shows up and tells them not to forget about her soccer game. And that's when we hear the horns of Clutch's car as Lucy was once again driven to school by uh, Clutch and Paul. Paul tells Lucy that he really likes her 
And Lucy tells Paul that he really she really likes him too. And they kiss each other, which grosses out LD. Lucy then greets LD and the twins as Wheels arrives. And everyone says uh, hi to him awkwardly. But Wheels is just still awkward. But, you know, things happen. But hey, even hotter Ms. Avery Wheels. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm an ass. <laughs> anyway, Joey arrives at his locker. Caitlin arrives as well. She says hi to him. Joey tells Wheels that Caitlin is crazy about him, being Joey. Well, Joey says that he's been trying to call Wheels because Wheels hasn't been, he hasn't seen Wheels around lately and Wheels says that he didn't feel like coming to school. Joey then asks Wheels how things are and Wheels tells him that when he, gets, when he goes home he expects to see his parents until he remembers that they're dead. Joey suggests that they rehearse after school and have some fun, but Wheels says he doesn't want to have fun and he doesn't feel like playing music and he doesn't want to be in the band anymore when Snake suddenly shows up. Wheels says hi to Snake, but Snake just ignores him. Joey then tells Snake that Wheels quit the band, which doesn't surprise Snake, and Joey tells Snake that at least he's trying, while Snake can't even talk to Wheels. We go to class, where Kathleen is sure she's not going to win the election. Melanie again assures Kathleen that even if she comes in second, she'll still be VP, but Kathleen wants to be P. Kathleen then asks Melanie, well, why... Melanie seems so angry with her and she tells Melanie that she's so oversensitive. And that's when Principal Lawrence comes on over the PA and he announces the winner of the student council presidential uh, election and that it's none other than Nancy. And then he also announces that that means that Kathleen Mead is the VP. But Kathleen is visibly not happy about it. Melanie leans in and tells Kathleen again that, hey, you're still second in command. And that's often where the power really lies. And then we see the grade nines that they're told to get to the buses on their way to Borden High. At Borden, Clutch asks Paul how far he and Lucy have gotten and Paul just laps him off. After class, Lucy, LD, and the twins are walking the halls of Borden when a group of older students starts poking fun at them from behind. LD and the twins don't like it, while Lucy doesn't seem bothered by it at all. LD mentions how a girl got her head dunked in a toilet during initiation one year, but Lucy tells them that in initiation is banned. And the twins mention that Lucy doesn't seem bothered because... She, or the reason Lucy isn't bothered is because she's going out with an 11th grader. And Lucy offers to introduce them to some of Paul's friends, which excites one of the twins. I, it, well, it was Heather or Erica, hence one of them. And one of the twins says that she'd like to meet Clutch. Lucy sees Paul and she runs off to him, as the twins remind her that they still have class after lunch. Lucy tells them that they're just study periods, and people in high school skip all the time. Well, though that's true with me, I did. <laughs> uh, LD asks Lucy, what about her soccer game? And Lucy tells her that she made plans with Paul, and she can't say no to Paul. And she suggests having a sleepover on the weekend with LD and the twins instead, which they just, you know, agree with. You know, okay, fine. That kind of agree. Okay, fine. Let's have a sleepover. Damn it. We go back to Grassy. The kids are congratulating Nancy on becoming school P <laughs> or president. Melanie tells Kathleen that now that they're friends again, <laughs> that Kathleen and Kathleen is VP. That means that that Kathleen as VP, she gets to create the committees. And she wants Kathleen to put Melanie wants Kathleen to put her on the dance committee so Melanie can meet some boys. 
Kathleen says okay and leaves Melanie to sit with Kathleen for lunch. I mean, sorry, Melanie, Kathleen ditches Melanie so she can go sit with Nancy for lunch. We go back to Borden. Well, it's not, well, it was actually a park, a playground type thing near Borden, I guess. Lucy tells Paul that her parents are going away for the weekend. And this makes Paul happy because it gives them a chance to finally be alone and they kiss. And then we see Clutch show up wearing a sweater that says Clutch on the back. <laughs> he shows up and he interrupts them with, with he interrupts he interrupts them with some lunch which consists of three big bags of chips. <laughs> well, that's how teenagers ate back then. I mean, still today, I'm sure, too. Paul tells Clutch that Lucy's parents will be away for the weekend. And that excites Clutch. And he, he wants to throw a party. But Lucy's hesitant because LD and the twins are coming over on the Friday night. But Paul and Clutch talk her uh, into having the party instead. And Lucy suggests that, you know, how about her friends, LD and the twins, come to the party as well. But Clutch says he doesn't want any Niners there. And he tells Lucy to tell her friends that her mom is sick. Clutch asks Paul if he's got his fake ID so they can pick up some brewskis. And they can invite the world as Lucy is just seeming reluctant as hell. We go back to Degrassi. Joey suggests replacing wheels with a girl in the Zit Remedy so she can be on stage wearing a bikini. Wheels arrives and Joey tells Snake to go talk to him, but Snake just takes off quickly. Wheels asks Joey why Snake won't talk to him and Joey says that he just doesn't know what to say. Kathleen arrives at school and Melanie invites her to the ballet that night. But Kathleen says that she can't because of student council business. Melanie then reminds Kathleen about the dance committee as Kathleen goes off to talk to Nancy. In class, Shane gives Spike some more money for child support. LD tells Lucy that they won the soccer game and they have a shot at the championship. And that's when Lucy tells LD that they can't have the sleepover now because her mom is sick. LD looks concerned and she asks Lucy if it's serious and Lucy says, no, it's not too serious, but yeah, we can't have the party. I gotta stay home and watch my mom. We go to lunchtime. Lucy sees that Spike is alone, so she goes up to Spike and she asks her what it was like when she when she and Shane had sex that night. And if she hadn't gotten pregnant, would it have been worth it? Spike tells Lucy that the sex wasn't like she thought it would be. It was over fast and it hurt. Lucy asks Spike why she did it. And Spike said that she just wanted Shane to like her. And she didn't know how to stop. Lucy tells Spike that sometimes she thinks she would like to go all the way with Paul... And Spike replies that that sounds like a lot, or that sounds like what happened between her and Shane. Yeah, be careful there, Lucy. Come on, man. Elsewhere in the lunchroom, Kathleen is trying to convince Nancy to have a dress code at Degrassi, but Nancy doesn't like the idea. Kathleen then brings up the dance committee, and that some, great, some in grade 8 want to be on the committee, but she thinks they're too immature, as Melanie is listening in off on the side. Kathleen, th Kathleen thinks that the dance committee should be restricted to ninth graders only, which is interesting because Kathleen Mead is an 8th grader. Melanie overhears this and she walks up to them and she tells Kathleen that she's right. She is too immature to be on the dance committee. Melanie then gra grabs a glass of milk and pours it all over Kathleen's head. And then she apologizes and she says that it must have been her immaturity shining through. 
And then she leaves and she says, Ta-ta! <laughs> oh, she's so great. <laughs> Melanie is so awesome. And after she leaves, even hotter Ms. Avery comes to Kathleen's aid to help her clean up a little. Yep. School ends. The twins tell Lucy that they heard about her mom. Lucy apologizes and suddenly Clutch and Paul arrive to pick Lucy up. That's when Clutch, Clutch yells out, Let's party! <laughs> and one of the twins asks you know, what he's talking about. What party? Lucy tells them that Paul and Clutch are going to a party later. But LD and the twins don't believe her at all as they're pretty sure that Lucy's going to be going to a party with them. Back in the school, Wheels is at his locker when Snake shows up and he apologizes to Wheels for ignoring him and not knowing what to say to him. Wheels accepts Snake of Snake's apology and Snake asks Wheels if he wants to go get some fries. Wheels says he can't because he needs to go see a social worker. They part ways, but before officially parting ways, meaning out of each other's visual distance, Wheels turns and he thanks Snake for uh, saying, you know, talking to him again. And once again, all is right in Zit Remedy Land. We then go to Lucy's house where the party's going on. Clutch is outside with Paul and a group of dudes. And uh, Clutch asks Paul if tonight is the big night. And Paul says maybe. Lucy turns up after answering a call which was from her neighbors who are not happy about the noise coming from the party. Paul then suggests that, sh that he and Lucy go inside. And Lucy agrees and she goes with him to her bedroom. Paul turns the light off and shuts the door. And later on, Clutch and his friends are outside drunk, wondering how long Lucy and Paul have been in there. And that's when we cut to the bedroom where Lucy and Paul are making out on the bed. Lucy asks Paul to stop, and she wants to slow it down. Paul says that he thought Lucy wanted to have sex. And Lucy replied that she thought so too, but now she's not so sure anymore. Paul tries to get Lucy to give in. And he suggests that Lucy prove that she likes him by having sex. <laughs> you friggin' loser. Lucy says no. Lucy says not now. And Paul says, but I want to. God! Loser! Lucy gets angry <laughs> at this, no, shockingly, and says no. Paul then gets up. He puts on his shoes. He gets to, opens the door. He turns to Lucy and he says, forget it. And he leaves Lucy alone in her room. Paul returns outside. Clutch sees him and asks him if he scored. Paul smiles and replies that he'll never tell. He says, I'll never tell. We go back to Lucy's bedroom where she's alone and she's upset. And that's when we hear police sirens. As the police are there, obviously, to break up this party. This minor party. We go back to school the next weekend, or Monday. LD tells the twins that she's sure that Lucy blew them off to have a party at her house. Lucy shows up and she greets them. But they blow Lucy off. And Lucy asks LD what the twins' problem was as the twins left. LD tells Lucy that everyone knows about the party. Lucy apologizes, saying that she tried to get to Clutch and Paul to invite them. And LD replies, It was only your house. Ah, <laughs> oh, she's so Canadian. It was only it's only your house. <laughs> Lucy says that everything was a disaster, and she doesn't know if, if if she and Paul are going out anymore. LD then tells Lucy that they both got what they wanted. Lucy asks LD what the hell she's talking about. And Lucy replies and she tells Lucy that everyone knows that she and Paul had sex. 
And this just stuns Lucy big time. And that's when we get the freeze frame on Lucy's just shocked, stunned face. Like, holy crap. People think I did the deed with this asshole? But I guess we're going to find out as the credits roll. And that's the end of episode 3 of Degrassi Junior High Season 3. Ah, great episodes, man. Great, great, great. We got to see the birth of a new dynamic duo of Scooter and Barty, a.k.a. Bartholomew Bond. We see the beginnings of uh, perhaps something going to happen with Joey and Caitlin. Uh, wheels. Oh, Wheels. It's, it's, it's sad, as I said, man. When I was watching that, the, these episodes for these recaps, I was feeling it, man. Feeling it in the heart, just feeling the heartstrings being pulled. And it's, as I said, it was, it's the, the start of Wheels' slow downward spiral in life. But yeah, what you gonna do? Anyway, I'll tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna wait until next week when we're gonna be recapping episodes four, five, and six of Degrassi Junior High season three. They are entitled Seasons Greetings, Loves Me, Loves Me Not, and He Ain't Heavy. Great episodes. Especially Loves Me, Loves Me Not. I'm pretty sure I know what this one is. Uh, I'm not going to say nothing. But also another good one is He Ain't Heavy, which involves Snake and his brother. Season's Greetings, all obviously, is about Christmas stuff. And I'm pretty sure there's some dealings with Arthur and Yick in there. And with some appearances from uh, Annabelle Woff, a.k.a. Dorothy. uh, Arthur's quote-unquote cousin, who is his actual sister in real life. But as I said, go check out AnnabelleWoff.com. She also has Twitter. Go check her out. Well, check her out. And tell her that I sent you. And and again, that I, I forgive her. <laughs> uh, but anyway, SerialAndGrapeJuice.com. I am Nairby on Twitter. I am Nairby on Instagram. I am also Nairby at Borden Crappy High School. Go there for more episodes of Degrassi Buddy. Episodes of Movie Buddy. Recipes with videos. More stuff. Who knows? Maybe we'll get an interview or so with, with Annabelle Woff. And she can explain herself. <laughs> well, but anyway, isn't, that's just weird, man. I can't believe it. I had I seriously, uh, as I just ramble on, I had no idea when I saw the pictures, when I saw her profile come up on Plenty of Fish, I had no idea at all it was her until months later when I looked up the character to see how she looked now, and then it was her. But as I said, it's I'm sure it's a good thing that she didn't reply. I mean, plus, I me, mean, as I said, she's a stunner. She, my message got lost with a bunch of tons of other messages, I'm sure. But it's a good thing she didn't reply because I would have just geeked out upon finding out that, you know, holy crap, it's, it's uh, Dorothy and Arthur. I'm going to hang with Dorothy and Arthur. And I'm just going to, uh, like, we'd be on dates and I'd be like, so uh, Annabelle, t- tell me about this episode and what was this like? Yeah, I- I'd just be a dumbass. Anyway. SerialGrapeJuice.com, more episodes of Grassy Buddy coming next week. Episodes 4, 5, and 6 of Degrassi Junior High Season 3. And obviously, after Season 3, we are going to move on to Degrassi High. As for Degrassi Next Generation, I do have 9 seasons on DVD. Whether or not I will review them depends on any feedback I get for these episodes, which I have not gotten much. So, if you would like to see hear more recaps, you can leave some comments and feedback even comments of your Degrassi memories, and I can read them and critique them. And who knows? Maybe I'll get uh, Annabelle on here with an interview. Maybe I'll get... Uh, well, I won't get Wheels. The actual actor who played Wheels, Neil Hope, uh, is no longer with us. He is deceased now. But maybe more. Maybe I'll get Caitlin, Stacy Mistison, and Spike, 
And maybe Duncan. Maybe get Arthur and ask him to ex- to explain why his sister would not return my message. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see you next time, next week. Same time, same channel, whatever. For Degrassi Buddy, episode 10. The 10th anniversary, if you will, of Degrassi Buddy. We'll see you then. Have a lovely day.